Okay, okay. So hello everybody. Uh, as you know, I'm Alexa from the Elephants Trail Project. And in this episode of Creative Activism, I'm speaking with Mike from Talk About It Mate, which is a peer support community for anyone over 18 to connect around mental health. Hello, Mike. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. How are you today? Uh, not doing too badly. Yes, it's raining as usual, but yeah, not doing too bad. About you? Yeah, yeah, keeping busy, but always nice to actually connect and have chats with people. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it as well. We had a nice chat last time when we were doing the preparation, didn't we? Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing all about you and your organisation today. Um, so like, just to start off, like quite an obvious question. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how Talk About It Mate came about? Yeah, uh, about three years ago, maybe a bit longer, um, I moved to Manchester from London and I've been having some difficulties in London with my own mental health um, so I had a breakdown about five years ago and, and I had gone through a lot of therapy and kind of was getting myself in a better place and I started journaling and I was kind of talking it through with a therapist about writing down my experiences so I did a blog uh, which I would never describe myself as a blogger as such but uh, I did it was very open. It kind of opened a bit of Pandora's box and a lot of people got in touch with me from that and from speaking to people who, who did get in touch with me, um, who I hadn't spoken to in years, I was inspired to, to set up kind of social group, the early makings of a community where I, I, I could connect with people for the benefit of my mental health and for the benefit of their mental health because I feel it like after that day my my perspective changed a lot of my relationship changed and and people could i was like being the real me and i wanted to kind of connect with people based on that and, and it's grown and grown and grown from there really so um obviously you're male you're a man experiencing mental health issues um and with there being more awareness now for the need for support that suits men's needs in particular, and with more men stepping forward like yourself as role models, have you seen a change in how men reach out for help when having a tough time? Yeah, I feel that it's, it's changing all the time. And even within the last year, I think there's been a big shift. And I think there are more avenues available to men now to open up um, because often to provide support for targeted groups, in this case, let's say men, you have to kind of take it to them, don't you? And where where, where can you get access to a large group of men? Uh, well, usually sporting places, football, rugby, you know, even down the pub. And, and I think that there's just been inroads into those kind of groups so that, and a lot of campaigns, you know, ask twice and check on your strong friend and things like that. It's okay to be okay. So, in the last two, three years, it's changed, but I think in the last year, there are more opportunities for men to reach out. But I wouldn't class myself as that typical man, but role models you mentioned really important. Um, when you see sporting role models opening up about their struggles, you know, uh, Andrew Flintoff being a good one, isn't it? like with the bulimia. And, and it's like, oh, because it speaks to people. What I think men need to hear other men opening up and, and then they can think, oh, I'm not alone in that and often something away from their main group of friends or family, because that might be a factor in them not in them not opening up. But I think with a lot of things going online now, there is a certain degree of 
anonymity as well. So you could join a group that where nobody knows you. And and that I find that quite liberating and empowering sometimes because you don't have to be going over some exploring it with people who are really close to you because they'll just want to jump in and save you, won't they? I've experienced that with my own friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes you kind of need that objectivity and some like that um, sort of step removed support. Is yeah. that something that you found useful? So people yeah. who aren't so closely in, invested in you that actually sometimes the support they, they offer isn't, as though it's well intentioned, isn't really what you're looking for. Yeah, there's an emotional connection there almost you're intertwined so it will they want to do something for the benefit of you but also for the benefit of them and and ultimately it's hard to hear sometimes but what people need is what we call person-centered support they need to be at the center of the process and 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 i think bringing it back linking it back to the men a lot of men feel that if they do come along they want someone to tell them what to do and, and that I find in the early parts of anyone getting help, that's the thing that throws people a lot is that like, yes, there will be a group there to help and support you, but nobody's going to be telling you the answers or giving you the, the, the direct commands to follow. That's not how it works. It's you bring up what you need in your space and often away from, because then that develops you as an individual, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the person-centered support is really, really important. And I think a lot of people aren't used to that non-directive support. Um, and I think one of its aims is like to take the pressure off because I think often people who end up in situations where the mental health is suffering, they're under a lot of stress and strain and pressure of various kinds, aren't they? And they don't need more of it added on top of it. Um, so with that in mind, um, in what ways do you provide for your growing community? Yeah, well, we keep we keep in contact with them through the platform. So I say one of the advantages of the terrible year that we've had is that our community is built online, I suppose. And um, so the core members or the people who attend our groups regularly are all connected through WhatsApp. So we kind of float ideas in there. If someone comes up with a suggestion, and we feel that it's achievable. We do it, for example, we start at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, back in like April, we were doing quizzes um, we've done book groups. We've done uh, web like a podcast group or you someone watches a YouTube video or listens to a podcast and we all come along and talk about it. So we've got one tonight. We are called Talk About It, mate. So that's basically everything is kind of bringing it back to a way that we can all talk about it. And obviously the main thing that we offer is our core online men's and women's peer support groups which happen twice a week and they have been for eight months so that's like our core offering but we have a lot to go around it which is very user-led i think yeah and i think that's really important as well isn't it to have um lots of services like sort of not on purpose but can kind of impose a structure Mm. Whereas it feels like you really offering people choices and options and that things that they can have autonomy over and, and make decisions about. Um, and I think that's that's a really important part of, of any kind of peer support. Uh, definitely. Um, so are there any barriers that you face in, in the work that you do as, as part of Talk About It, Mate, that you've encountered? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, it's, it's getting the word out there. Uh, when you're a small organisation, you don't have a lot of means at your disposal to do that. Um, like it's mainly just me who works on this with other volunteers chipping in here and there. So, you know, 
energy can get sapped and, and it can be quite, you know, isolating at times for people who run these things. But um, yeah, I think it, like getting people to know what we do, it's actually quite simple peer support. It's not group therapy, but it is a space and it is facilitated and getting that out there to people, which we've tried to do through our own podcast and other things that we've done online. But, you know, that that's probably been the biggest barrier and then you know how can you keep this going because you can't just keep it going on goodwill alone you need to you know to to pay for things to provide for people whether it be zoom accounts insurance you know eventually project management time which you know i've been with i worked seven months for free which you know it, i wouldn't advise anyone to do that uh you know i've volunteered for many many years in different forms and but like this is now taking up so much of my time it's actually become i'd say more than a part-time job now and you know it's it there are a lot of barriers to overcome in terms of setting up an organization i'm a teacher and a trainee counselor i'm not a businessman and i i don't even use the word business but you have to register it as a, a community interest company for example and then you think where are the revenue streams going to come from and luckily after six months of toil we we were awarded national lottery funding so that was a real pat on the back they believe that it's helpful to our community and it kind of safeguards locks in what we're offering online for the next six months yeah it sounds like like it can be quite a challenge so how have you managed to to sort of set up a structure obviously you started with just one person but you mentioned there you have volunteers now um so could you give us a bit of an insight into like your, your little bit of your journey with the project to where you are now yeah yeah about over a year ago, just before, just before I got married, I registered it, registered it as a com actual company. So it had grown to that stage. So I thought, right, you know, this is the natural progression because we're doing regular events. We've got more people involved. And then, yeah, then like in the new year, we started to set up the face-to-face -face meetings and, and then we went online. And I don't know, I felt like April, May time, we really had a big following, a lot of people who were core involved. And uh, I wanted to kind of say, I reached out to people saying, right, I'm running all these groups. Obviously, that's mentally quite fatigued. You know, it can make you very fatigued. So so then we had a few other guys from the community step up. And then that's good because I've kind of got to know these guys personally and, and their journey over the last six months to a year. And to have them involved, you know, the three or four guys who facilitate a long time alongside me, I trust, you know, I know I know that they've got lived experiences, but they've also got the ability to to facilitate the room and keep everybody safe and same with the women's group again it's all very 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 organic with what we do you know it would sometimes i sit back and think it would be great to sit down in a room and plan a one-year progression of an organization but what in life doesn't always happen like that you react to the needs and and that's what we do and you know i do envy organizations who've got a lot clearer internal structures but we're very organic i've had to put them in place kind of as we've gone along so you know things like policies and insurance and I, you have to reach out to volunteer services and and you have to swallow your pride and ask for help because I, like i said i've my skill set isn't all that paperwork and i've had to go to people and like cap in hand and say look i really need your help and support with this and it's been a learning curve for me but i'm you know i'm getting there and and now we've got more people coming in you know i've got a kind of a number two guy called John who will work alongside and he he really came to the fore at first as a participant and his openness and his courage and then how much he was providing for the other people and I thought to myself this guy's like way more intelligent than me like very you know just he's a whole package and I thought I, I can't let a guy like this 
you know, go by the wayside because he'll end up working for one day, he'll be working for a big charity or something. But like right now, I'm saying, do you want to be involved? I said that about six months ago. And with him involved, we've kind of been able to kind of steady the ship and, and kind of move it in the right direction. And and it's, it's, it's again, very organic because you can't always plan what's going to happen. Well, that sounds um, no, it sounds really interesting and really empowering that, that that somebody that's come to the group for support has themselves now been able to be part of actually seeing it moving forward. And you've managed to find, you know, um, like I said, quite organically, something to balance out your skill set so that you can, you're not managing it all on your own. Because um, I think one of the things that I've encountered in some of the conversations that I've been having in the community as part of Elephant's Trail has been around burnout, especially this year. With so much going on with COVID, with the increase in people needing support mm. of any description, particularly peer support. Um, and as we're getting towards the end of the year, people in your position are really beginning to feel the effects of carrying um, yeah. and supporting their community. So how do you manage to look after your own mental health in a role like this? Yeah, I manage. I wouldn't say I'm flourishing with it, but I'm also not, you know, not suffering. Like, because I do have good networks. Like, I have regular counselling because I am trainee counsellor, um, you know, supervision and things like that. Um, and so I can reach out. And I have kind of practised what I preach a little bit. I open up quite regularly. You know, I speak to my wife and she's involved with, with the women's group. So she's coming along that journey. Uh, John, I mentioned before, I lean on him quite a lot, vice versa. But because he believes in in what we're doing in the project but it, and he also embodies our values and importantly he believes in me so when i'm having a bad day you know, I, I kind of show him the side that i don't always show different people uh, and he, he's like a very good calming influence for me because he's so compassionate um but he should actually be a counselor but i've told him that many times but uh yeah i, I mean i'd love to have I'd probably let my exercise side of self-care go this year but you know taking time and and switching off and focusing on whether it be listening to a podcast music you know playing the computer game like I, I i need that from time to time and just to say this monday i'm not doing any talk about mate things you know I, i'm scheduling my time better so there's a lot to grapple with and it, it does sometimes weigh heavy on your shoulders but when once you've got it under control and you have had that time to recharge your batteries and you're not pouring from an empty cup then it's actually quite a nice thing to do what this role yeah, i imagine that what what makes it all worthwhile is that sense of community isn't it and that and people coming together um and obviously it's called talk about it mate so people being able to to speak openly like you were speaking there about how you how you lean on john and you open up to him that that's you've got a whole community there that feels able to do that with each other um and you, you mentioned that you're a trainee counsellor as well, and you've had therapy yourself. Um, and so I'm just wondering what role can talk therapy play in supporting a person who's experiencing mental health issues and how can it be beneficial for some people? I'm a massive advocate for talk therapy. I think it's the, like you're, you're starting out at an A and you're getting to a B, but I think that's the vehicle that's gonna take you from the A to the B. And uh, like you could, go to the doctors for a mental health complaint. Like I was diagnosed with depression at 18 and put on medication and I couldn't talk, that was 2004. I had no one to talk to about it. Like, um, but what was not paired with talk therapy. So I'm only getting 50% of the, the, you know, 
and I'd, I'd do antidepressants for eight months and then come off them for six months and then I'd go on. And in my twenties, it was just a, a cycle stop start. I think you, you need the whole, in my opinion, the whole kind of bigger picture and the talk therapy is the space to unpick and, and explore your issues about why you feel like that and actually empowers you a lot that I would say check yourself before you wreck yourself Mike because once I know it in my head this is a negative thinking pattern that's black and white thinking that's catastrophizing like whether it's from CBT which I had beginning and then into talk therapy I'm a better advocate for myself and as a person-centered counsellor as, as you know um, the client they have the answers that it, it, I, it always sounds really cheesy but it is true they've got the answers inside of them it comes from an internal place you're just there to to listen to them and help them explore that so they're not going through the process alone and i think that's the key word when you're alone and you don't know what to do you're lonely isolated you're vulnerable whereas if you're together and you're courageous enough to explore it alongside another person whether it be a group or an individual counselor um then you're giving yourself a real fighting chance of not just getting better but flourishing yeah definitely and there's there's something about that non-judgmental approach as well isn't there with the person-centered stuff um that that supports you to feel safe enough to because like i said people do often know what they need they're just often really struggling because because of the way that we all get brought up and conditioned to actually say what their needs are and feel confident to say, well, actually, this like this is the answer to it. And I know that that's the answer, but maybe I'm not quite so confident to enact that. And like you said, having a counsellor by your side to, to work you through each of those little steps can be an absolute like lifesaver, can't it, at times? It really was for me. I would, I would say a lifesaver. I mean, I had a few counsellors to go through was well, until probably my third or fourth and now she's going to be my mentor and supervisor on my placement but like and it is a process and the, you know there'll be times when you'll be you'll be getting along quite well have a relationship and then there'll be what's something called relational debt and that's like boom the penny will drop you feel comfortable in that person's presence and there are a lot of factors that have to fall into place for that to happen which i'm sure we'll come on to later in the discussion about availability of therapy but um I'm such an advocate for it because I've made so many mistakes and, and I, you know, I've had so many false starts. I can see, I can track kind of where it went right. And I think that's really important. We don't do that enough as people. That's a really interesting point. I was expecting to say where you went wrong. You didn't, you're tracking where you went right. And that's a completely different like reframe of the situation, isn't it? Hmm. Um, so yeah, you were just saying there um, about the routes into therapy um what kind of barriers might people face in accessing mental health support and therapy loads uh, waiting lists how long is it going to take what type of therapy you're going to get you know you're probably going to end up possibly getting cbt or a well-being workshop again that that's very directive and is it is it going to last for a long time is that what you need at that point that again it's 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 a preferred method it's more cost effective to offer to a mass amount of people and um, however like i look back into it did play a part but it didn't it wasn't the transformative factor for me personally um but yeah like cost obviously like you know there, there are lots of private therapists out there who are very very good but costs vary and like you know i'm a working person and 50 pounds an hour is a lot of money for me 
so I get subsidised as a trainee. But like, you know, if, I mean, how you, you, it is worth it, like because you know, if you can afford it, if you're a working person, then because like think about how much money you'd spend on going to the gym or having a massage or going to the pub, like, and you know, I've done all those things. But like, you know, fifty pound a month or hundred pound a month on therapy, it is money well spent because it's you get out what you put in, you know. That and I do honestly believe that, but I understand that I'm I I'm not one of those people who's like airy fairy and don't check my own privilege because I've got a lot of privilege. Not compared to some people, but compared to a lot of people, yes. And I'm very much rooted in the real world, and there are loads of barriers, and it you know, it, and it is accessibility and cost, and and people not knowing what therapy is, what it can do to you, do for you. Therapists not being you know, accessible enough, like them you know, seeing seeing them on on screen and what they do, and 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 people just fall back on. Even now, we have guys come to the group, and I talk to them about therapy, and they're like, "Oh, I thought it was like it is in the movies." And like, and I get, you know, the kind of therapists out there, you don't see too many young therapists, or you know, or young male therapists, or young male working class therapists, young male working class therapists with lived experiences. You know, all these things are just. So if someone's reaching out their hand, just you're extending it to kind of grab them. You don't want anyone to kind of miss out, but it needs to be subsidised or funded or offered for free in some instances. Like there, there are so many barriers and, and that's obviously something I want to address in the next few years. Yeah, it's, it's always been a bugbear of mine. I think as somebody who's like lived on a low income and in need of support and not having the capacity to wait umpteen months on an NHS list and then when I did finally get the support it really wasn't right for me um and then like you say you're looking for counsellors or and you're not sure there is a big huge variety of types of therapy out there that just that it doesn't seem like anybody wants to tell you what they are or what they mean or how they might support you and £50 a week, like a session for me at the time was like a third of my income. I didn't, I couldn't afford a third of my income on therapy. Um, so yeah, I think finding ways of supporting people to access therapy that is um, subsidised um, or maybe looking at different ways that they offer therapy through NHS channels, for instance. I know that's, that is yeah. free, but offering different choices i think something that choice is the key for. thing in this industry like and and often finding a therapist is a little bit like about like dating like you need to find somebody who you feel comfortable with because you're not going to open up otherwise are you and, and and obviously a lot of the differences can be explored between counselor and therapist but but yeah there's so much more that can be done and i'm looking forward to seeing how that does develop over the next few years yeah, I was going to actually ask you, like, how do you think access therapy could be improved? Like, from your point of view, what would you like to see happening? I know you mentioned a couple of things there, but I just wondered if you'd got any more ideas. Kind of, yeah. Main, main, mainly the idea of can we fund it more and subsidise it more? And, like, you know, for men's mental health, like, I think this this is, it would be money well spent, I think, because 75% of, you know, suicides in men were not known to mental health services. so. I mean, if that if that doesn't grab you by the balls and drag you in and be like, that's that that just makes my hair stick up on the back of my neck. They're not known, so like they're not gonna like. So we need to go to them and they say like, if you said right, 
where do they go? They go to the gym a lot, these guys, won't they? So can't there be a counsellor on site at the gym? You know, like, let's be creative in where we place these counsellors and, and, and who we place them. Like, we could, you know, let's fund a guy who who is from that area. Let's fund a guy who's from that demographic, pay for his training, you know, so that they've got the choice. And so they might not talk to an older guy with elbow patches on his thing, but they might talk to me, you know, or you. Like, I don't know, I just think we need to look at it and and, and it's almost a bit precious, I believe. Like, if you've got this amazing thing that can change people's lives, then let's try and, you know, give it out more. Because I think the higher-up therapists, you know, are doing NHS work and doing a lot of private work. But it, it, it's, it's giving it back, isn't it, I think? And, and, and yeah, I, I, I'm quite early on in this, in this process. I'm a trainee. I know exactly what my limitations are. But yeah. my, my ambitions and my dreams are very big. And it's good to have big dreams and ambitions. I'm just wondering, um, so the kind of thing that you, you're kind of discussing there, I'm really interested in. It's like people placed in the community, in places that people frequent that are mental health trained. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was you or somebody else I was speaking about, but there's a, a barber's project where they've, yeah. they've meant they trained the barbers in mental health awareness and support and, and suicide awareness and training so that they can have chats with people who come to have the haircut and those people then know that there's somebody safe that they can speak to, they know where to signpost, they yeah. can support them and help them to find. Um, do you think we need more of that in our communities? Absolutely, and I don't think that's too hard to do. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the word signpost. I think 80% of the work I do is signposting because, it, you know, often it, I'm not the best person to help that person, but and, and, and we, don't have, we don't have to be experts, but we, we, we are able to get them in touch with somebody who, who is better off place to help them. And, yeah, the, the, I know a barber in Bolton who's appeared on my own podcast called Craig, and, and he works for something called the, the Lions Barber Project. And this is founded by a guy from down south, looks the part, like it's called Tom Chapman. Like, I'd love to look like him, covered in tattoos. He's like a god. You know, like done a TED talk, you know, everyone's hanging up his every word. And because he's right, he's like, he's like experienced, you know, suicide. And, 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 and how many men do men allow to touch them willingly? Only the barber, really, isn't it? So, like, it, 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 it they must hear so many things. And actually, Craig's now my barber. I'm looking with him for like a mental health haircut. Just go there and chat. And he has this thing on his wall called the Wall of Hope. And, you know, if a guy comes into his, his shop and says he's been worrying, he's not going to be in there, like, say, trying to save the guy and giving him advice, but he will, he'll be trained to, to watch out for warning signs and he'll signpost, he'll refer. And, he, yeah, he's actually told me about a couple of guys who, you know, have been at risk of suicide and he's stepped in and he's given them the option of, I'm going to call your, your partner, I'm going to call an ambulance. Like, that guy saved a couple of guys' lives because of that training. And, you know, big up. Tom Chapman and those people, I'm sure he, he's probably going to be on TV quite a lot in the next year because, like I said, he looks the part, but he also talks to talk and walks to walk and, you know, huge respect for what he's doing with his with his profile. That was the guy. That yeah. was what I'd heard of. 
I can't remember who it was that spoke about it. I was nobody would be able to see this, but I was getting very excited when he mentioned the name of the person then because I was like, that's him, that's him, but I didn't want to interrupt what he was saying. So <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that I know of have been have, have like found out about this and looked at the guy. He's got a website and all kinds of things and yeah. just like, like queued up the guy for 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 doing it because like you said, it's it's been a lifesaver. I think we've got one in Berry and or three or four around the local area and stuff and it's it's made a massive difference to people i think because this could be rolled out though, yeah sorry no go on you go i said so this could be rolled out like it, it doesn't have to be a barber it could be a sports coach couldn't it it could yeah. be a teacher it, you know we have these mental health champions and you know are they make sure they're mental health first aid trained i mean how often do, does it in an extreme mental health emergency i don't see i've never encountered any but like i have encountered loads of people who just needed a little quick chat or a few, uh, just a little listening. People want to be seen, heard, understood, valued. That's all you need to do for people. Listen to, what is it? Listen to, understand, not to respond. And, and if we can just instead, and often the best people are like, is their everyday Tom, Dick and Harry on the street. Not, not, I don't know, like you can see some of the best people with the biggest hearts you've ever met are in the community, aren't they? And, and we overlook the, what's there and just give just investing a small amount of time and energy and money possibly into these people reaps massive benefits definitely and then you you kind of prevent that crisis situation where it's people are turning up at a and e and they're absolutely at the point of complete despair and then because there isn't any body available they're sent home and that's when we end up in trouble, isn't it? If you can prevent that arising in the first place by equipping your communities to support each other. And like you said, it's often all day. It's, it's human relationship that people need, that they can trust in and look for, isn't it? Often rather than a professional. I think sometimes professionals can be quite intimidating. And in the system of, you know, particularly in therapy, where there's that, it feels like there's an imbalance of power a lot of the time, where if it's like your barber or your tattooist or, you, you know, your bar, your local barmaid might be trained. If you know that that person's there and available for you. you, you can't... I feel very energised now because this is very much our values, early intervention and peer support. Because early intervention is, is you know, it's going to do so much because it, we don't want people getting to breaking points and crisis points. I've been to breaking point and crisis point. It is not a place you want to be. I'm not even going to go into it because you just don't want to be there. So if we're getting to that point, then how many times have the needs of these been people being missed for them to get to that point? Whereas if we fall back on the community and then you say, like, like if let's take our, our main kind of person would be a man, probably a man who works in the construction industry. Probably a man who drinks lager and goes down the pub and likes football, right? Got a good group of mates, probably got a couple of kids. He's a provider, he's a father. Where does he go? He doesn't even know how to open up. So if he opens up to us, that's that's the start of peer support, isn't it? Like, it, you know, it's it it's just having that place to go. And it might just be coming to that WhatsApp group and saying, I've had a bad week. Loads of people rallying around and then you might not hear from him. Then he might come to a group. Then he might call you up. Then he might start getting involved. Then he might become a facilitator. Why can't we provide these pathways for people? Because I think we can. Yeah, and that's that's a community not only responding to the needs in the community, but it's empowering that community to then support others 
it's like it gives doesn't it's like a circular thing it's like if you provide the means for people to get support when they're in a position they will then go on and support others and it's going to cost you a lot less money um than than what's on offer elsewhere so actually what we need um is like commissioning groups um the ccg the nhs to start investing i think in more community-led and peer-led support such as this do you would you agree with that 1000 million percent they, they, they these they, all these groups have sprung up for a reason right and it's usually led by people who have experienced that isolation you might be in the same boat yourself with what you're doing with the elephant's trail and like if something isn't changing nothing changes without action nothing and something has to be done differently and often you know we create things in our own image by based around our own values and, and that that goes through into society and and yeah it does empower people and this is the kind of thing i would have wanted and i needed in my mid-20s when i was really 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 struggling in deep depression like crippling anxiety and panic attacks who did i have to go to then nobody and, and, and it makes me angry and 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 i've channeled that energy into action and and you know i know there's countless groups who do more than me because they've got more skills more experience more funding more background they're older people than me but i'm dead proud dead proud of what we're doing here and and i never considered it as activism but when you mentioned it it is we're taking a stand this is what we stand for and this is what it is and people are saying yeah i like that and it is going to save money isn't it because if those people aren't getting to that stage and, and they're processing and accessing services you know in a more proactive rather than a reactive way of getting to breaking point then everybody wins in a little in the way because people getting the support that they need and they've got a listening ear of people who've also been there that's a great place to be in definitely and i think and the more that you can kind of highlight and promote um that that support is there and the more it filters through doesn't it because and then the people who are they call them hard to reach my experience is we're not difficult to reach we just don't trust people when we know that the support's coming from people we do trust and in an environment we're familiar with actually reaching out isn't quite so difficult but we need to know it exists first we need to know it's there um, it's yeah one of the reasons i wanted to do these podcasts is because i don't think not everybody is aware of what's available um and what is going on in communities to try and improve things for people and yeah hats off to, to you for everything that you've done um and i'm sort of in my mind now wondering like how your own mental health journey has evolved as a result of setting up talk about it mate massively like my life, my whole life has changed for the better because it set me on the road of I'm regularly helping people. I'm a very good advocate for these people. I've moved past being a mental health advocate and, you know, these people who raise awareness. That, that was two years ago. You know, I'm a person who then actually provides impact. You know, I've set something up that actually has a massive tangible benefit to people's mental health over time. And at the same time, it has done that for me. It's set me on a journey that I'm now training to be a therapist. And in like, you know, 18 months you know I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be a therapist and 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 I never set out to do that did I and it's changed me I know it's the best thing I've ever done in my life in terms of I'm following my passion I get out of bed in the morning I have a purpose in life and uh yeah I have to manage my own mental health one one way I've done that is I've actually become a lot more assertive as a person uh slightly less of a people pleaser 
because uh, I, I acknowledge my feelings and you know and I expect, there is a great good to what I'm doing and I can't make myself 100% available all the time what I'm trying to say is I have better boundaries in place now when I need to switch off and they, these are all things that I've had to learn them I've had to learn them I've no choice I've learned them I've learned them sometimes the hard way but I've learned them nonetheless and, and that is that not resilience is that not strength I've been openly vulnerable in large rooms for people for my own benefit but also that's ended up inspiring other people and you know I do I do see a lot of people who run groups and and, and you know they I think oh they've got their act together and and they, it just seems so easy for them but you know you don't know where people have come from do you and it's like a lot of people their jobs before give them a lot of the skills to run an organization like that whereas i'm coming into this from not knowing that side of it i just have a vision i had a i had a dream to, to do something and it's become a reality and now it it's you know keeping it all under control as well as my own mental health but you know i'm very lucky because i can attend the groups as a facilitator or as a participant so I can, like Sunday night, I went and just shared my own experiences, but also with my own personal development groups and my own therapy. And yeah, I'm very lucky. That sounds amazing um, that you've travelled so far from, from where you were as a teenager to where you are now. Um, is it something you ever envisaged yourself, a, a position that you'd be in? No, because if, if I'm going to be brutally honest with you, here's, here's some, I, I didn't have much of a life really. I didn't like think too far ahead. I was the kind of person, I was overweight, I should drink a lot. I had no real ambition. I, I got into teaching. I thought that was what I was good at. But I used to say silly things like, I, I used to call myself a loser. Just, that was just, you know, I'd, I'd, everyone liked me. We were going out making everyone laugh, but I was just, I was dead inside. I was like, no, I had nothing. Like, I had no ambition, I had no drive, I had no self-confidence, my self-esteem was shot. I used to say, I'm going to die at 60. Honestly, my wife always brings this up. So I don't mind, I'm going to die at 60. So I don't mind having a pension, I'm like, I'm diet at 60. I'd no, I'd no, but my quality of life was very, very low. But people who met me wouldn't know that because I, you know, I wouldn't have let that. Although it did spill over sometimes when I'd end up getting to points of a bit of a crisis or a get too drunk and end up putting my foot in it or getting in trouble I, 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 and it, you know looking back they, they those were cries for help weren't they and, 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 I, and I hear people sometimes using the word cries for help as a negative thing like if it's a cry for help they need help give them help like you know and, and there were many times where there were warning signs that were missed with me and you know I came very close to suicide and pulled myself away from it and that was when I was 30 years old I'm 34 now. So I thought I was out, I thought I was out of the worst and I had a very bad relapse. And that was the warning. That was the next day. I was like, I'm changing my life and I can't I can't keep doing this to myself. And I, I was very lucky because I had a, a very supportive partner who I'm now married to. And I came home from that incident. I was at, I'd been to a wedding and I said, yeah, I've, I've thought about killing myself last night. I didn't do it. I, I was actually starting to think, you know, have a very ideation and go through the stages. And you know, people don't like hearing about about um, suicide. Or think talking about suicide is going to cause suicide. No, it's not. Someone once said in a thing, "How do, how do, how do you know somebody's gonna, you know, is thinking about taking their own life?" Well, I went, "Well, just ask them, because that 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 isn't gonna make them do it. Like it's you ask, how will you know? Like I, I'm putting myself in this. I needed somebody, and nobody did that. And that's because they're bad people. Maybe they're not trained. They didn't see it. You know." 
but it didn't. And then when I came back and said, I need to change my life. And then my partner, who now my wife said, well, what are we going to do about it? And she said, we, didn't she? And that's it. I was like, I had hope, I had a flicker. And within, I met her about a year later, she said to me, do you remember when you said you said you, you were going to die at 60? Like, what a stupid thing to say, looking back. Well, I need to show myself self-compassion there, don't I? Because, yeah. like, now I'm looking forward to a very good life. I, I, I went through a period, I lost all the weight. Like, I was in a, you know, last year was probably the best year of my life, personally. This year has been the best year of my life, professionally. Like, you know, like, there, it does get better. It, sometimes it gets worse, but most of the time it gets better if you're, if you're engaging in the process. And, and yeah, that's, I often don't bring my own story into it, but you know what? There is power in my story and maybe I should use it more. There definitely is. And I think it's not an uncommon story either. Um, and it is what think, I mean, particularly around the issue of like suicidal ideation. Um, I know lots of people, a lot of my own friends, myself included, um, like a ridiculous number of people who kind of have, have hide the facts when they're in those really dark moments that they don't want to be here. And all they want is somebody to talk about the fact that they don't want to be here with, not because they want to not be here, but just to alleviate the anguish that they're feeling. And I've often found myself in conversations where like, I felt like that, they felt like that. And then one of us has like been brave enough to say like, have you ever thought about killing yourself? And they've gone, yeah, have you? And you're like, yeah. And then we've sat and chatted about it and gone like through. And it's often, a, like you said, a conversation people, it's not an easy conversation to have, but the relief that it offers you when you can just say, oh, that's how I felt. I know that other people have felt like that. And then you've got each other's backs then as well, because you're looking out for each other because you both know that you're having a hard time. Um, yeah, and I thought yeah, that was like a really important point to bring up and thank you for sharing that because um, yeah, it, it makes it easier, I think, for other people to know that actually it's, you, you really are not alone. Yeah, yeah that's it. It, 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 you know, mental health, issues can bring around a lot of isolation and what we're doing is offering the alternative to that is that you can still be yourself you can still talk about your mental health issues or whatever's going on with your mental health because mental health and mental health issues are two different things um but no matter what you can come and communicate and and you know i did neglect to say it before but it is non-judgmental we, we make sure that we're facilitating that, that you're not going to be judged for something that you bring regarding your mental health and, and, and you know that's is that's very sacred and intimate and once that it's that absence of of kind of fear because once you've opened up and shown yourself revealed yourself and you you don't get negativity back that's huge and there are many people who've never ever had that there are many people who wear a mask very successful but they live within these conditions but then that is like it's like you are waking up for the first time definitely it sounds like a very empowering experience and i was just wondering how has all this empowered you as somebody who yourself has mental health issues or mental health yeah, it, 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 it validates what I've been through. Like, it, it makes me appreciate that that I went through some very, very tough things 
and and I'll always meet people who've gone through worse, but that doesn't devalue my experiences, and I can use them, you know, and I can see where I've got, like I said before, where I've got things right, and how I've how I've I tackled those things, how I've identified the elephant in the room, and how I've overcome a lot of hurdles and barriers and fears, and 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 have developed coping mechanisms along the way, which again I can share, and and we had twelve guys on Sunday night sharing quite openly about their coping mechanisms, and and just about coping is still coping, and you know, like let's let's not, we always err on the side of negativity when, you know, we're still here, you know, like no, we're still here. There's something in us that, that that we're like a flower and growing and 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 you know we're self-actualizing if we're bringing in all the psychological maslow and stuff like that so yeah like there's power in my story like you know i might not be you know the guy who can do a ted talk in front of hundreds of people because i don't look the part or whatever but like i've got the story i've got the i've, I've done the hard yards you know like i've i've not really been given anything on a plate to run this organization i've i've you know, I see people go in at a lot higher level. I've seen people, and and I'm just I'm running my own race here, and and I'm doing it for the benefit of myself and our community. And and it, you know, am I motivated? Yes, and that that's a really important factor you need you need in life. In that you do your job is a massive chunk of your mental health. Like I had a breakdown because I had a very very unhappy relationship, toxic relationship, and a very very unhappy job which was also very very toxic so i had two like probably 75 percent of my life was was loaded with negativity and, and very very toxic and i ended up having a breakdown and that was my cry for help and then you know i started to slowly get it but i don't want people to get to that stage and i can use my experiences to say look it does there is another way definitely and um and I think that again is the, is the value of, of peer support, isn't it? Is that you've walked that walk, and because of that, you know where the pitfalls are, you know where the challenges are, you know where the 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 good bits are, and you can walk alongside somebody else doing that same journey, and be that kind of little bit of light for them, can't you? Yeah, like a guide. I mean, I, I must say their journey and their experience will be completely different from my experience. I must say that, but and and these pitfalls and challenges, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to like jump in and save you, but like because you, you have to go through them because growth is very very uncomfortable. Like you know, you know, our minds and mental health is messy. And one of our tutors said this. It's like we're going to be here with you to help you sweep out those corners of your mind. And it is messy. It is uncomfortable, but it is worth it. Cause otherwise, why, why, why would we be here doing this? It's worth it. And, and, you know, I, I always share the, the, the ways I've messed up as well to make people think that like, I'm not this perfect guy. Like I, I'm, it, you know, gloriously imperfect. Yeah. And that's it. Human beingness is messy, isn't it? Um, and I think when we've had lots of stuff and we go through the pain barrier of getting the help and the support, there is that bit of, like you said, you've got to sweep out the cobwebs and get rid of the, the rubbish and get rid of the crap. And, and a lot of it's come from outside of yourself, actually, isn't it? It's stuff that you've taken on as you've been growing up and thoughts and beliefs that have shaped you that you kind of have to allow yourself to let go of because they're not you that's not who you are um in some cases it's like giving yourself an opportunity to to 
to stand in the person that you know you are, not the person that you've always felt you're expected to be by external forces. Like you were saying about, you know, lots of people end up in unhappy jobs and unhappy relationships because there's a template that we're, we're told is like how we're meant to live and we try and fit into it. And then we discover that we don't, but we don't know how to get out of it because we don't know what the alternative is. Um, and I think, like you said, that, that can contribute to a lot of people's mental well-being, can't it? Or lack of mental well-being. Um, and again, that's where the therapy can help, isn't it? And that, that, that it's like sorting out the wheat from the chaff and figuring out what's you and what's not you. How many people change like their direction in life? Like often I think of people who have got very good jobs and very settled lives and very loving families. Like, like they don't matter when it, it's not about changing your whole life, but it, you do see in a lot of people that when they've had that therapeutic change and growth, they might change their career or they might change, you know, cause you're getting in touch with yourself more. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing as long as it's managed safely. And, and I, I think it's, you don't want to be saying what if the I wouldn't have like you know would I've all those things I've been through which were very painful, but to get to where I've got to now was it was it worth it probably yeah 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 it's um yeah regret's a difficult thing to live with isn't it but if you can I know like going back to the the thing like one of the reasons why I never actually did kill myself apart from the fact that. I would never leave my child was that I had this internal um, mission that it's like, well, I've not got where I want to yet and I can't go yet until I've completed X, Y, or Z. So that always kind of kept me going. Um, and then when you get to X, Y, or Z, it's like that thought is never, isn't there anymore. It's like, yeah, now I'm here. And I feel like I'm anchored here and I belong here. And I've, like you were saying about having a purpose and, and having meaning and having something that's, that's heart led, that, that you really connect with and you've got passion for and that you enjoy. And it makes a, like the world of difference, doesn't it? To, to your quality of life. Um, the, the, there's just like a huge burden that is lifted when you go like break that Rubicon and go into um Almost it's the thing that you kind of like, you'd, you'd fear, but you when you cross the bridge through all of the trials and the tribulations and you get to the other side, you think, I, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I kept going. I'm so glad that I didn't give in and didn't give up. Um, yeah, the journey, the, the hero's journey. You're, yeah. you're the hero of your own story. Definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, to kind of like, as we, we, we're drawing to the end now, um, there's obviously been lots that's been happening for your organisation, um, lots of people that you're supporting, a really great community that's gathering around the Talk About It Mate project. Um, what do you see for the future of your organisation? Or what does the future look like? unpredictable but exciting i'm sure um yeah there's so much like you know what you know i was talking about doing things that are not in my in my skill set or my comfort zone before but you know i am i'm a teacher i'm, I'm actually a primary school teacher i don't do as much now on supply but um getting out of that but i'd love to develop our own mental health well-being curriculum and like go in and offer that as like a mental health day i could go through all the classes 
you know, do talk about my emotional literacy, things like that. I think that that's something that we're very, very well placed to do as an organisation because of my experiences and my skill sets. Likewise, we can roll it out to high schools. We've got guys who've got teaching experience there. So I think education is a big arm of what we're offering, you know, and then consultancy and corporate stuff. Like, you know, there are people out there doing it, making a bomb doing this, but like, you know, like, I think there's a different way of doing it and a little bit more less, you know, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more down to earth, wholehearted way of doing it. And, and we'll work on that. Like, I don't have the answers right now, but yeah, I think that I'm very well positioned because I'll be going into the counselling field as well, but also as this community leader, that I think I've got a lot to say, and I think like I'm going to build my own personal confidence to be, to go into these discussions and go into these rooms and say I'd like to have a say in shaping things in the future. Because I, I think that I'm the I feel like I'm often the underdog, and, and you know I've come up this and and I have conversations with people like yourself, and each one of those conversations imprints on me. So when I go into these meetings, I don't just represent me, I represent you, I represent all these other people. And I, I don't know, I just feel it, it really is my calling. And um, it, it's got I, I, a long time I turned that off because I didn't have the, I never had ambition before. And, you know, it's great. I think that we can do good at grassroots and impactful change. And it will get us noticed. And like, people are starting to come to us now. And that's never happened before. Saying like, oh, what tells about what you do? Like this is this sounds great. I think we can roll out like our group format, for example, which is it's not like I you know, I'm not like come up with it a massive brainwave, I've just taken it from my experience of counselling. That can be rolled out for teachers, for actors, for firemen. You can do it in all professions, you know, just have people sat in a circle doing a session. Like we could be doing that all over the place. We could go on the road, we can keep our podcast going, we can you know, there's there's room for plenty of voices in the mental health community, and 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 some people feel a little bit like they've discovered mental health as this shiny new thing, and are presenting it back to us, and we should be grateful for that. Well, I think there are really, really, you know, really, really good role models out there who are underdogs. Who let's give let's let their voices be heard, and and I, I hope to be one of those people who can champion those voices. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you have any? people in mind obviously apart from yourself and and the barber man that those kind of like loads models. yeah go on but you know uh, yeah all right it, it, it the best model for mental health services i've seen is warrington so you've got loads of guys there uh, and, and women like so all the people we've kind of connected with the best guy who's given me advice a guy called chris judge who was directions for men and his background is all working with you know ex-offenders and people in he'll correct me he'll probably correct me if i'm wrong but like addiction and things like that so he's got a really good skills base and they're doing like a suicide project there like you know that they're, they're they're connecting with the, this is the problem they're connecting with it like that you know and they've got the means and, and the people to do that like they're way more effective than i could ever be at doing something like that um people like that yeah i, I connect with lots of organizations yeah owl and coconut are really good like well-being services and i'm kind of getting to know more people in salford and and yeah just we need these champions but i think my i've networked with so many of them that like i do i i name drop people a lot because i believe in them and and they're genuine authentic people like you know anybody can can get well not anybody i can't but like ten thousand likes on instagram doesn't mean you are the authority on that thing like you could have bought them ten thousand likes you know it, it, i don't know it's 
all you're hearing is mental health awareness, awareness, awareness. Let's raise awareness. Let's raise awareness of what? What are you telling us? Yeah. Like, 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 come on. Let's not like start dumbing things down for men because men, men aren't as dumb as you think. You know, like they, they like to be doing something when they're talking about mental health. But like, let's give them tangible things they can do. Then, like football mental health groups, rugby mental health groups. Like, I don't know. I, did, I get, I get a little bit up on my soapbox about this. I don't know exactly how to solve it, but I know that something needs to change and the conversation needs to become a little bit more solution focused and action focused rather than just, oh, mental health is a problem. Well, exactly. Yeah, I think we touched on this last time we spoke with each other and we, I think we both went off on one a bit about it. It's like, we all know that there's a mental health crisis. We all know that people are suffering. There are people in communities getting up and doing stuff about it. Like, it needs the support, the finance and the resources from people higher up the ladder to get behind it, doesn't it? It's uh... Yeah, like an app or something like that. I spoke to a guy after I spoke to you last week about an app. And his story, what's his name? Colin, Colin something, right? I'm going to get in touch with him. Anyway, the, the, the app's going to be called Depress, Depress On. Like depression, but depress on. But like, I spoke to him, he told me his personal story and it blew me away. Authentic, genuine, passionate. A leader would follow somebody like that. Because he, he, he actually backs it up with like real, real, I, I'm an energetic person. I need to, the passion. Like, I, you know, some kind of, people who talk about mental health it doesn't grab me do you know like i think it's great that the royals are raising awareness but i don't see with prince william talking about it thinking oh my goodness i'm gonna no real people with real energy what's wrong with people showing emotion and energy and, and like big part of it is if you've got emotion especially in men it's got to come out somehow isn't it and like you know a lot of anger is an emotion we don't like but if we can channel that anger into energy and positivity and and grassroots change and impact isn't that one of the most powerful things in the world yeah yeah that i think this is a good way for me to end the conversation and just say i feel an empowered and maybe it will be me maybe i'll be one of these panels one day maybe it will be me why can't it be me well exactly authentic relatable grassroots community what more do we need let it be done. Let's let it happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen, definitely, yes. When your podcast is when you when you're like podcast is like number one in the podcast charts and you just like <laughs> you can dream, you can dream. I started recording on an iPhone, I fully back you because you know what, you've got an idea, you're going for it. I'll back you. That's 100%. it. That's it. We need to inspire more people to just have an idea and go and do it because that's what what makes change, isn't it? That's what seeds change is little ideas and people picking them up and running with them you wouldn't be where you're going now if you'd not picked that little idea up and run with it would you it can snowball exactly right yes we have definitely reached the end of the podcast thank you so much for coming and speaking to me um i've really enjoyed it i've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation we've been all over the place with everything <laughs> that's me as well. <laughs> i've loved it i've loved it I, honestly and you know keep in touch and and good luck to you and all that you're doing in Berry and beyond yeah definitely you too um I'd be really interested in in seeing how you progress things and and listening out for this training and all the other bits and pieces of stuff that you've got in the pipeline and whenever you're doing something and you want to come back and have a chat about it just get in touch yeah and and love to film something one day as well I think that's a, a way that we're going to get content out in the future as well and, and and that's the kind of thing we want to do so yeah brilliant thank you very very much all the best.
Elephants Trail is a project that was set up in the Berry area in February of 2020. It's a group of 11 people that came together as community collaborators to use their lived experience of various disadvantages to support co-production, collaboration and systems change in their local area.